Mark's Gospel, chapter number 2. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2 is where we're at today. And so I encourage you to follow along, open your Bible, and follow along as we read God's Word together. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. We're in the middle of a series, Discovering the Real Jesus. It's the Gospel according to uh, John Mark. And uh, as we look at this passage of Scripture today, I want you to look at one of the great miracles of Jesus and it's showing us the authority of the Lord Jesus. Mark is, of course, named the Gospel of Mark after John Mark. John Mark was a disciple of Peter and Paul and Barnabas. His mother's name was Mary. She lived in Jerusalem. She was an early follower of Jesus. Early church met in her home uh, in Jerusalem from time to time. She was <clears throat> a woman of prayer. We don't know a lot about her. But she was faithful, and, and uh, he was related to Barnabas, a cousin of Barnabas. He was influenced greater, greatly by Peter. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, he began the Son of God. He's declaring to us the very message that Peter preached, and he's telling us that Jesus was declared the Son of God by his words. Through the prophets, the disciples who saw him, John the Baptist, who gave testimony to him, even demons, acknowledged that he was the Son of God. The centurion, the early church, declared the Son of God by his words, but also demonstrated the Son of God by his works. Authority over demons, authority over disease, authority to change a life, authority over nature, authority over death, authority over traditions of men. And today we see a, an authority of Christ that only God could have, and that is to forgive sin. In chapter 2, verse 1, when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Amen. 
Jesus returns to Capernaum after a campaign around the Sea of Galilee, going to towns and villages around this area called the Sea of Galilee. He's preaching the gospel. And the message that he's preaching is the time is fulfilled. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, and believe the gospel. Jesus was not only preaching, he was healing sick and casting out evil spirits. And here, he's been back in Capernaum, which is his adopted hometown. His fame has spread everywhere, and hundreds begin to fill the small city on the coast of this freshwater lake called Galilee or Lake Gennesaret. And he's staying at the home of Simon Peter and Andrew. He's near the synagogue complex in Capernaum. And he's teaching truths about the kingdom, expanding, expounding on the meaning of Old Testament covenant and the law of God, and teaching what repentance and faith looks like. He's teaching with authority, not like the scribes. And the multitudes are filling the house. You want to see a church grow? Make Jesus Christ the center of that church. Make the grace of God the theme of the preaching. And teach people how to live in the love of God. And you won't be able to keep people away from that great truth. Amen? Amen. And so we know the story. Four men come carrying their friend into the city on a stretcher or a pallet of blankets or cloth. And, and, and the, the crowd is so large, there's no place to get inside of the house. And so alongside a first century house would be a stairwell and an, and an exposed outside stairwell. And you'd go up the stairwell and the roof was a flat top roof made out of wood and thatch and clay. And often it would be a place that people would retreat to in the early morning or in the evening. And, uh, and so they climbed up the stairs. Now the house is filled with people. And they decide to dig a hole right through the clay roof and lower their friend into the room. Do you think that might have created a, a commotion? So they dug a hole in the roof and they lowered their friend. And Jesus saw their faith, the men and this man, and he says, son. Actually, the word here is child. He was a young man. So he's a youth. He said, son. Your sins are forgiven. Now, what glorious words to hear from the Savior's lips. Amen? Wouldn't you love to hear the Lord say, Tim, all your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And that's exactly, I can't imagine what this man thought. Your sins are forgiven. They've all been forgiven, every one of them. Psalm 32, 1 says, How blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. It doesn't get any better than that. Amen. Well, the scribes are there, and the, these lawyers. They're teachers of the law. They're sticklers for precision. They're keepers of tradition and the interpretation of orthodoxy. And they begin to reason in their hearts. Did you know that God knows what's in your heart? God knows what's in your heart. 
Tell your neighbor, God knows what's in your heart. See, God doesn't just listen to your words. He knows your heart. Some of you have all the right words to say. And you're gifted at saying the right words. But your heart's not with the Lord. Jesus said, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And Jesus perceives their criticism, their skepticism, their questioning, and their condemnation. And what they're saying was, he's committed blasphemy. Because he has claimed himself to be able to forgive sins, and only God can forgive sin. The truth of the matter is, that's a right statement. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, it's true. Only God can forgive sins. So Jesus answers their question with two questions, which is always our Savior, often is what our Savior would do. And he says, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? I know what's in your heart. Why are you casting these things about in your mind? Why are you building a case against me? That's what he's saying. Here's my question to you, scribes. Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or take up the pallet, the stretcher, and walk? It's silence, crickets. And he says, so that you may know, have no doubt about it, that the Son of Man, Jesus' favorite self-designation, has authority on earth to forgive sins. He's saying, I am the Son of God. Get up. Pick up your stretcher and go home. And in the sight of everyone, that man stood up, grabbed his stretcher, and did the hallelujah dance out the door. And I think the four guys on the roof are dancing as well. And awe fills the whole building. As we look at this story, there's some remarkable truths that we find here. And these are sort of the fill in the blank in our outline today. Number one, I want you to notice the man's disability. Who is this man? We're not told his name, are we? Who is he? I think he represents all of us. Amen? Are you with me this morning? You're what we hear. He represents all of us. Amen? Tell your neighbor, he represents you. He represents all of us. And here's the truth of the matter is, this man was disabled. He couldn't get, find his way or get to Jesus on his own. And I want to tell you something. You can't find your way to God on your own. It has to be the work of God in you in order for you to find him. He represents all of us. You can't get to Jesus. You can't heal yourself. You can't save yourself. You can't change your condition because you're helpless and hopeless without Jesus Christ and the grace of Almighty God. Paul describes it this way in the book of Ephesians. In chapter number two, listen to how Paul describes our disabled condition. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, 
among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. This is God's grace for us. My friends, listen to me. You can't be saved by your works because you're disabled. You need the grace of God in your life. Amen. Secondly, notice the friend's investment. This man had some friends. In his disabled condition, there were friends involved. What kind of investment were they involved in? If you're taking notes, first of all, there's the investment of time. They are not spectators when it comes to their friend. They're involved. They passionately love. And when you love someone who's lost and doesn't know Christ, love acts. Love doesn't just feel. Love acts. Sometimes we've supplanted action with just words or feeling. But he, these friends, were moved to act because they cared. And they had faith, didn't they? They believed. Listen, if they didn't have faith, they wouldn't have believed that Jesus could make a difference. But they brought their friend to Jesus believing that he could make a difference in their life. I think they're testifying to one another. Hey, I know that he's healed someone. I know so-and-so had a demon in him, and God set them free. I know this man was lame, and now he can walk again. I know this man was blind, and now he can see. They began to recount stories of how Jesus had changed a life. They gave testimony. The other thing I like about these four brothers They had persistence, didn't they? They were not deterred. They came and they said, where are you going with that guy? We're going in the house where Jesus is. Well, the house is filled and the teacher's busy. And there's there's no room at the door or at the windows. You can't even get in. And they said, we're going to make a place to get in. And so they went upstairs there. Dug a hole in the roof. The other thing I loved about them, not only they were persistent, they were willing to be misunderstood. I think they also invested some finances. I suspect somebody had to repair the roof when they all left. And they were invested. Now, my question to you this morning is, how are you involved in bringing friends and family members to Jesus Christ? Would you be honest with me for a moment? How many of you have a family member or friend that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior? Would you raise your hand? Are you burdened for them? Without Christ, hell awaits us. Without Christ, hell awaits us. Amen. 
John, you and I agree with this. I'm not sure any others are. Maybe they... You're nodding your head. We don't like the thought. But my friends, just as there is a heaven, there is a hell. And there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the only way. Would you pray for your lost friends? I'm asking you to pray for our city for the next the next 60 days to take another group of 20 names and pray over every home by name. And let's talk about to others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we've all been wounded by sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None are righteous, no, not one. And the wages of sin is death. And sin destroys us. Sin separates us from God. And will you commit yourself to help bring others to Jesus Pray for those who don't need know Jesus and tell your story of what Jesus has done for you. Number three, the Lord's declaration. Notice it says, Your sin, son, young man, child, friend, your sins are forgiven you. What a declaration. Why would Jesus say this? Why did Jesus say that? Because the number one need in this man's life is forgiveness of his sins. And why could Jesus forgive him? Because this man was a sinner. He needed to be forgiven of sin. We've all sinned. All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. Every one of us. The Bible says the soul that sins surely dies. We're under the judgment of death. If we say we've not sinned, then the truth isn't in us. We're liars. And God's truth's not in us. We all are sinners and we all need salvation. And this man in this pitiful condition, even though he's been lame from birth, he looks at him and he looks not at the number one need of his life to walk, but the number one need of his life is to be saved and his sins forgiven. And he sees his faith and these boys' faith And he says, your sins are forgiven you. This man's sin was against holy God. And since it was against God, who can forgive his sins? Only the one that was sinned against. And when Jesus says, I'm forgiving you, your sins are forgiven. Then by implication, Jesus is saying, I have the authority of God to pronounce you forgiven of sin. Jesus is claiming there to be the Son of God because the sin was against Him and the Father. I and the Father are one. And so when Jesus says you're forgiven, He's claiming the authority to forgive sins. Now what is the basis of His forgiveness? Because Jesus knows that He's coming to the cross and there will pay for all the sin of all who put their faith and trust in Him. He pays for our sin. What can wash away our sin? 
Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And Jesus claims this authority. The Son of Man, he will say later in chapter 10, verse 45, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life, what? A ransom for many. To pay the full price of our sin. That's the basis of forgiveness. Amazing thought. Number four, the scribe's question. It's a good one. Who can forgive sin? Here's really what the scribes are saying. Who does he think he is? God? Yes. Precisely. He is God in the flesh. Who do you say that Jesus is? Listen, once you've experienced his grace, you know he's the son of God. He changes your life. Next, notice the Lord's authority. Point number five, the Lord's authority. Verse number nine. He demonstrates his authority. He's saying to these men, he says, listen to what he says to them. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But you, that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say, rise, pick up your bed, go home. Hmm. Notice he says, the Son of Man, Jesus' identity with man. Jesus' fulfillment of Daniel prophecy as the Son of Man. Jesus' authority within himself in order that you might know that the Son of Man has authority. Authority in himself. Matthew 28, verse 18. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And in order that you might know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth. He's saying, I am God in the flesh. That's the real Jesus. The real Jesus is not some milk-toast teacher or rabbi or do-gooder. He's not like any other prophet or teacher. He's not just one way to point us to God. He's the way to God. Because he is alone the Son of God. He alone has authority to forgive sins. Next, notice the man's miracle. His life is forever changed. His sins are forgiven. And he takes up his pallet. Can you imagine? I don't know what that felt like. I just can only imagine all of a sudden you felt, I don't wonder if it was warmth. I wonder if it was strength. I think he had feeling in his legs he never felt before in his life. And all of a sudden, he stood up. Nobody had to teach him how to walk, but because that was part of the miracle. He rolled up his mat and put it on his shoulder, looked up at his brothers, and high-fived them. And he said, this is better than a blues win. And then he's excited. And he marches out in front of them all, and they're amazed at a life changed and proof Because only God could heal like that. And only God could forgive sins. 
It's proof that he is the Son of God. What a testimony of this life that's changed. Amen? Can you imagine this boy? He's going home. He's walking down the street, and they'll say, Joseph, what happened to you? (laughs) Jesus happened to me, man. He changed my life. What did he do? He forgave me of everything I ever did wrong. And he's my Lord. And he healed me. He is my king. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that old boy when he starts walking down the, down the lane to his mama and daddy's house? And there's mama and daddy, and they come to the door. And here's Joseph walking up the sidewalk. And they say, son! What happened? Jesus changed my life. He forgave me my sin. He has authority. He's not an ordinary man. He's the Son of God. And he changed me. I think he had a testimony, don't you? In his old age, if he lived to be an old man, can you imagine his grandchildren, Jim, climbing up in his lap? And saying, Daddy, Grandpa, tell me the story again. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart, every word. Tell me the story. Most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. And he'd tell him the story. Wouldn't that be beautiful? That's the story God's given you if you're a Christian. Tell your story in a broken world. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen? Amen. Jim, the whole world's confronted when lost people get saved. We've had so many experiences of seeing people get saved over the years and Lives really transformed. One I, I just can't forget happened back in the old building. We had Bible school. And a young girl came to Bible school. And her name was Zanny. You remember? And her mom lived close to the church. And she lived a pretty rough life. Had quite a reputation, didn't she? And she came to the children's program at the end of Bible school. And we started talking to her about Jesus. And she was listening. One of our members, who's now gone on to heaven, said to me, and I think Brother Jim too, he said, boys, if she gets saved, I know there's God in heaven. (laughs) And within a few days, Ava Hensler gave her life to Jesus Christ. And her husband gave his life to Christ. And they were baptized. And it was a testimony to this whole community of the saving power of Jesus Christ. What happened with this paralytic is still happening today still happening today. Let's pray.
Father in heaven. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I pray that today, if somebody is here like this paralytic that's disabled and lost and disoriented and separated from from you by sin, I pray that today they might come to know Christ as Savior. There are others here today that are sitting on the sidelines act not involved at all in praying or sharing or testifying or helping to bring others to Christ. God, forgive us for our complacency and our distraction. And may we recommit ourselves to the gospel of Jesus Christ. O Father, have your way in our hearts in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me.